0: Hey guys, and welcome to S.O.S. Side of the Spectrum, the show where we talk about everyone and everything in our neurodiverse universe. Today, we are interviewing Miss Erica Grover, who is a ASSDP teacher, facilitator for the Peel District School Board. She is also a connector, so she connects people to one another. So let's call her, shall we? Hello, hello, Miss Erica. Are you ready?
1: I think so. I'm a little nervous for this
0: I'll be honest oh, don't worry, you know what? Just take a deep breath and it will be perfectly fine. Uh, so I'm just gonna say welcome to s o s sides of the spectrum, and I will quickly go into questions so get your get get your head ready and in the game for the question first one okay so for any for for people that are listening in right now, what does the acronym ASSDP stand for?
1: That's a really good question. So it stands for After School Skills Development Program. And it's an acronym that came from the Ministry of Education based on grant money that the ministry started to um, offer out to school boards back in 2016, I believe. And so with that acronym comes from, um, from certain criteria that if the school boards accepted the money they had to fulfill, and one of them being that all programs need to take place after school hours, not during the school day.
0: So basically, this is a new position. So it's a—it's basically somebody who is hosting programs after school, so not during school.
1: Right. And the Peel of School Board—they um, actually got very creative with this money, and they created the position that I find myself in. So my technical term is the ASFP teacher facilitator. Not every school board has that position. Uh, in fact, I don't know of any other school boards that have that position. A lot of school boards have taken the money and um, enlisted other organizations outside of the school board to support their students and families. So they might pay for someone such as yourself to come in and do an art from the heart program for them. Huh. But my school board, Peel, decided to create the position so that we could really Um, understand who our families and our students are, and tailor our support to their needs.
0: Having a program for after school is so important, and and it's a necessary thing. I feel like every school should have this eventually.
1: I absolutely agree, and I pinch myself every single day that I have found myself in this position, because it's absolutely a dream for me to be able to connect with our families, um, support them, identify their needs, um, help build that community, which I know is so important to yourself and your organization.
0: You know what that that you know what I, we were saying for you. You are a people connector, <laughs> and you really you really are <laughs> demonstrating it.
1: Thank you. I love it. It's so it's hard work at its best, right? So the fact that I get paid to do this, it's incredible.
0: <laughs> So you told us a little bit about, you know, the field that you're in. So what was your drive to get into the position that you're in right now?
1: Oh, well, do you know why? I think it probably stems back to when I was a student in grade four and I became what they called it a buddy. Um, I had the opportunity to be a buddy to a student who had cerebral palsy and who communicated with a very large visual board. And there were several students, and they were not in our regular school system. They had a classroom in a hospital down the road and across the street from my elementary school. And I got to go over there, if I can remember correctly, but once, maybe twice a week for an hour or so, and be a buddy and make connections and... Uh, that sparked my interest in helping people find their voice. So, you know, I just remember this student didn't have a verbal voice, but they were able to share their thinking through visual pictures on this very large board that was on kind of on top of their wheelchair. And that really impacted me. And also, my father was a secondary high school teacher, and so I grew up with a teacher family, and I just loved it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually really lo- I've actually heard of this buddy system before and I feel like it's such an important thing for people with disabilities and people who just want to have a friend. I feel like communication is just so important and we need to teach lots of different ways to communicate and showing other people that this specific person had a- had their own unique way of interacting w- with a with which the- with another person is So, as a People Connector, why do you, well, I mean, you kind of explained a little bit, but why do you think it's important to keep a flow of communication open in community and in schools?
1: Um, Well, you know, as life is showing us currently with our pandemic that just seems to keep going and going, um, the needs of community are always changing. And so, if you don't have that regular flow, if you don't have those regular connections, if you don't know what the needs are out there, then you're not going to be able to serve. So for me, the fact that I'm in my second year now of this position with the Peel District School Board, I'm able to see what the needs are. I'm able to get feedback from our families that have participated in programs, and I'm I'm able to listen to them, and I'm able to respond. So I I just think absolutely continuity is key to this work.
0: So you know what? So needs are changing, obviously, as you said. You know, the things have definitely changed, and people are needing change, and people change. That that, that is the way people, you know, um, always are developing and always are in, always changing. Even even for us, <laughs> you know, uh, I always learn something, and that's a cha- and that's a change, and it brings it again. Such a important. It's just so important to have this. So I got to say this, so for your position, you know what you're doing, but for other uh, teachers, what would be one thing that you would like to see more from teachers?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. What would I like to see more? Um, I think maybe I would just encourage other teachers to not be afraid to try and not be Afraid of limiting yourself. So, I like to think that I'm an outside of the box thinker. Um, I have passions and I really jump into those and I think about my skills. So, for example, let's think about technology. The um, use of technology is something that I've really um, brought into my work when I was a classroom teacher. I used it again to support my students and help them access the curriculum, but also use it to, to give themselves voice. Um, And I know, I know a lot of people are hesitant to try new things because they're fearful, right? They're, they're afraid of failure. And yet as teachers, we're always teaching our students to not be afraid to fail and to Mm -hmm. take it as a learning opportunity. So I would, I would encourage teachers to do the same and to network, right? If you don't know how to do something, reach out and find somebody who can. So I know through my work, I've had Many, many educators in the board, and even outside of my direct school board, reach out to me for advice. You know, and how would I do this? So it's all about building that community, and we call it capacity building. So helping people find their skills to be more.
0: That's such a simple thing. You know, try harder. You know what? It's, it's important that you put effort into something. If you put effort into something, that's when you get that change. If you don't put anything into it, you're not going to change the way somebody thinks. Or, you know, you're not, you're not going to... Um, my mom always said to me, if you only put in half amount of the work, you're just going to have to come back and do it again. So I feel like that is such a, such a simple but amazing point. That was... Oh.
1: Well, and just not to be held back by your fear, right? Yeah. Just because you're not perfect yet, and maybe you'll never be perfect, and that's okay. At least you're trying, and I think if the intentions to support others is what's motivating and driving you to to um, take that leap, then you're doing things for the right reason.
0: Mm. You know what? Fear, Fear is... You know what fears a scary thing. That's what fears that is the definition of fever, but you know what you should always power through it and Don't don't let it stop you That's right. Yeah, so now that we did teachers I kind of want to move to to parents The same thing as the teachers. What is one thing that you would like to see more with parent well the more as parents? Um. Well,
1: I think The more that I've been doing this work within my role, the more I'm recognizing the the importance of building that community as soon as you can. So I'm starting to hear a lot more stories of our secondary age students and their families suddenly realizing that at age 21, their child will no longer be in school. And what does their future look like? And a lot of times, from what I'm hearing, this thinking and this action – doesn't really happen until those later years. So I'm really trying to bring that thinking in as early as I can to the family and exposing them to the ideas. So we're doing what we call Autism Community Connection Family Night, hmm. and that's my way of planting seeds of knowledge as early as I can for those families to just start thinking about things and then reaching out so that they can build that community that they feel
0: they need for themselves. You know what i I love the I love the saying planting seeds, yeah. planting seeds of knowledge. And you sh- you know what it, it's a great analogy because once you plant the seed and you and you planted it, eventually the seed grows into and it grows and it grows and it keeps getting bigger and it and it learns more. It imp- it learns and eventually it becomes a forest of knowledge.
1: That's right. Uh, And it may, not every seed's going to grow at the same rate either. No. And that's okay. And, And it's acknowledging that and acknowledging what does every seed, and if we, you know, equate the seed to the family, what does every family need to help them grow in their capacity?
0: You know what? Not every, you know what? I'll just say it like this every single plant is unique, and that is the same with humans. Every single human is unique, and each one has their own different way of learning. I bet you that your way of learning is definitely not the same as my way of learning.
1: Right.
0: So, what would you advise? Be for kids that are in junior school and struggling with being different? What would your advice be for people who are struggling?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And I can think right, of, right away to some students that I'm trying to support with that right now. Um, so to me, identity is so important, and just understanding who you are, um, understanding what your strengths are, what your needs are. Um, I could go deeper than that. So if we're thinking autism, what does your autism mean for you? Many students that I work with, they know they have autism, but they don't understand what that means for them. Some of them are ready to, we call it, unpack it. And I do have a website that I call Unpacking Autism. Some students are ready for that work. And they, they um, in time, feel almost a sense of relief to understand Now they understand why they do things the way that they do, perhaps. Other students, I've found, get very angry. They're very upset. They don't want to be wired differently, and they're mad about it. And so, again, it's a very unique journey for every student, and it's something that needs to be done, um, I believe, with a very sensitive heart, being very in tune to each individual student, but ultimately, I do believe that if we can understand the reasons why we may think or do things, it, it will help us um, kind of accept ourselves as an individual. Um, I do have two sons who are, well, they're 19 and almost 17. And while they do not have autism, they do have diagnoses of ADHD, anxiety, and being gifted. So they have unique learning profiles. And this is the type of work I've done with them since they were very little, helping them understand who they are. And then to grow with that and to advocate for themselves through their identity. And that's the same type of work that I do with my students.
0: The, the, having your identity. Um, oh, I, I just... Even for myself, uh, when I was younger, I really didn't, I didn't really like being who I was because, you know, I was always like, why can't I fit in? Or why can't I be like the other kids? Why can't I be like the other kids? Simple as that. But I think the main reason is that most people that don't like themselves is because they don't really understand who they are. So this... Identity, being true to yourself, loving who you are and being the best you. It's just, it's so important. And I love that advice that you gave us. It's,
1: it is so important, but it's also not so easy to find, right? And I think we have to be very gentle on ourselves as we go through that journey. You know, it, it, again, it goes back to, we're all unique as as human and we're all going to have a different rate of acceptance or understanding of ourselves. So there's no one fit way of, of getting to it. but I think I just really stress the importance of this work and it needs to be done daily in my opinion. <laughs>
0: very true, very true. Uh, you know what it really comes it comes with age, but if you start early, um, eventually people will understand. So yeah. Thank you so much. And now, I always want to give something. Um, well, obviously, we want to use your advice. So, obviously, be true to yourself, listeners, obviously. Um, but I always want to do a silly part. So, yeah, it's not silly, but I really want to play a game with you. Are you are you ready for a game, Miss Erica? <laughs> I think so. We'll it, it, it's, it's a very simple game. It's two truths and okay, a lie. Yeah. You got to come up with two truths and one lie, and I'm going to try to see if I can find out what is, what is the lie and what are the truths.
1: Okay, so two truths and one lie. hundred percent. My goodness, I got to think. Okay, two truths and one
0: lie. By all uh, means, just take as much time as you need.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I live close to a cemetery. My favorite color is orange, and I love to eat pasta.
0: Mm. I feel like the the lie is that your favorite color is orange. Oh, you
1: got me. Oh. It used to be orange. And now, strangely enough, I'm more of a brown. I just love the earthy brown tone. <laughs>
0: you know what? <laughs> so you got me
1: because that was kind of a half truth.
0: <laughs> Every everyone's everyone's opinion on on colors always changes. That you know what? As an artist, uh, my my favorite color always switches. And you know, for me, art art is my secret. You know, it's my power. And I think that reaches it
1: is your superpower, that's for sure. And you, I don't know if you remember, but I did do some work with one of my schools and I used you as the sample for um, exploring neurodiversity. So we had to do biographies and I used you as my example for that. And so your picture and your art was up on a bulletin board in a school for a little while.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> being, being an inspiration is very, I'm very thankful. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Well, you deserve
0: it. You are very inspirational. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna say for our listeners: uh, if you ever want to play this two truths and a lie game, I recommend it. It, it. You'll you'll learn about you'll learn about people. So, like, if you're if you're having if you want to break the ice with a stranger mm. or a group of friends that you've just met, playing true two truths and a lie is a great game to start off with. It really gives you that extra bit of knowledge on someone. And I learned that. Miss it, really likes the color brown. I never do that. <laughs> there you go. And obviously, close to the cemetery, and our favorite food is pasta. Yep, you got it. And look at that. It's used to, you know what? It's like almost time just passed by in, in, in mere seconds, and we're already at the end of our interview.
1: And you know what? My butterflies are now gone. I honestly had butterflies at the beginning of this, Aiden. <laughs> And now it's just being wonderful and I'm really grateful for the opportunity uh, to do this work with you. So thank you.
0: Of course. I, I want to ask the main thing though, did you have fun while you were having, well, did you have fun? That's the main thing.
1: I absolutely did.
0: That's yeah. the way. You got to make, you got to make it fun. You got to make it interesting when you're talking to someone. And
1: absolutely. And you know what? To connect to that, my dad always said to me, I used to run. So I was a cross country and a track runner when I was younger. And before every race, if my dad was there, he would say to me, just go out and have fun. He never cared about how I placed. It was always about having fun.
0: So there you go. I love that. Great quote. Have fun, guys. That's it. Have fun and have no, and really don't have any pressure. There's no pressure when when you're having fun. Absolutely, I agree. <laughs> I'm going to say thank you so much for letting me interview you, Miss Erica. It's such an honor. And also for my listeners for listening in, thank you so much. And I guess we will see you all next time. Thank you so much, Miss Erica, once again. And goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Thank you. No problem.